We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating all rivals never gets old. Making our way to the big sky conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Tribe from the North Brave and Bold to the official unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and your Vandal affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chris Hammond, and joined with me today, we have Alex the Boat Boatman. How are you, Alex? Football is saved. Ed Woodward's out at Manchester United. Chris, I have never been a happier day in my life. It's 420. Who cares? It's all about football being saved but when i say football i mean soccer for all you weird americans out there yeah and uh, my team as well is experiencing some very important changes as well coys uh also joined by the professor brian mar so how the hell are you brian i'm doing fantastic i already got my soccer news from boatman dallas is going to give me the hockey shit that i will not get anywhere else so i'm doing as good as i'm going to be doing and the producer running the show from the shadows, producer Dammer. How are you? My Anaheim Ducks are currently getting ripped, so uh, it's great. I hate everything. <laughs> well, I think one one key thing to get into, guys, before we do the ad raid to get in around the bar is like we're finally here. I mean, it's funny we're like prepping. We still got a couple episodes, like you guys know. We always run through May. We will be going bi-weekly, although. Plan to have one out next Thursday, so there'll be three more episodes after this. Um, but we made it. I mean, we went through doing all the positions previews twice. We went through basically having the what the heck is this podcast going to do with no sports. Ended up having great interviews with people like David Vibora, Johnny Ballgame, Kristen Armstrong, Eric Heisaw, Rob Akey. I mean, the list goes on and on. I, I know it already sucks I left people off, but uh, – Man, we really evolved, but yeah, here we are, and we're like sitting here, we're like, all right, football is over, but yet we're kind of getting to like our late summer where usually we'd be telling you guys, like, all right, last little bit of preview before we just go, you know, until first Thursday after uh, 4th of July, but we made it. It quick reflections before we get into around the bar on just like, what a freaking year for the podcast, and we added a new personality this year in Dallas Hammer, so we're. Early round of applause for Dallas and all that he brought to the show. But, I mean, guys, takes – what was this podcast year like for you guys? I know we're not over, but, like, basically last live show, so it's kind of, like, over because I doubt all four of us are on a show for any of the last three, but maybe. I, I can say that counting doing the basketball instant reaction episodes, which – I'm, I'm really happy we picked up the instant reaction episodes after the COVID time of every week. Be like, what the hell are we going to talk about, guys? The shows just started to feel so easy when there were games. But I feel like I have truly gone through, whether you call it the afterlife, hell, whatever. When you go through basketball instant reactions to the roller coaster we're going to talk about this season, I feel like worst case scenario, we're through something that it's going to be hard to ever have a back-to-back seasons like this repeat. So it feels kind of good. Yeah. Dal or uh, Alex. Yeah. I mean, what a, what a year, Um, you know, a lot of great interviews we had. 
Uh, Ard with Scott Green was awesome. We did yeah. that one morning, Chris. That was a good one. Um, probably one of my favorites, and I always loved David Babora as well. Just makes me want to run through a brick wall every time I talk to that guy. Um, but shoot, we we plugged in a lot of uh, a lot of content that you know we were worrisome we didn't have, and I think we have more content we want to deliver to you guys. Um, and now we got a really short summer to try and do so. Uh, maybe some awesome interviews. Who knows? Maybe a certain uh, retiring Idaho punter or kicker we might be have on soon. Uh, we'll find yep. out. But um, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a good year to podcast. That's for sure. Yeah, Dallas, what were your kind of takes on the year? Uh, I'm really excited for just next season. I know we tried out the live thing from the the corner club. Uh, popped that corner club cherry, and uh, it didn't go super well. But I'm excited. Hopefully, looking forward to next season doing a live show, maybe at the new basketball arena uh, for the a women's game because nobody gives a shit about the men. Uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. We got some of those those weird bumps out of the way this season, and hopefully we're just going to be even better next. Yeah, we, we tried a lot of crazy, like different stuff this year, and I feel like for the most part, it all stuck. I can't think of a huge failure we had. But it is crazy because like you brought up, like we started doing these interviews and we really started to get in the role of it as like things got going on, and then like we were hit with the basketball season. We're like, oh, sp- this is a sports podcast. And then football – and then, like, now we're sitting here and we're like, oh, well, we got three weeks. Let's try to maybe slide in some guys. Alex hinted at somebody. Um, we have a bunch of people people have suggested that we've been in contact with. But, you know, we only got three episodes. And we're probably not going to get to everybody. And then we're going to start by football. So it's kind of going to be like a whole year until we really start doing interviews again because that will probably happen, like, after basketball season. So, like, February. So basically March through April is probably going to be, like, interview and then like a position preview. So it's just going to be so weird to see how the podcast goes going forward. We have a lot of stuff coming, uh, but with that, I think everybody out there has a lot more for you. Sneakerheads questions than answers. Ha. Alan Iverson, the questions anyways, getting into it. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky cold snack. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky cold snack. An ultra refreshing light beer born in majestic big sky country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky cold snacks donates 8% of profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho. Supporting organizations like the CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw! That's freaking awesome. Montucky cold snacks. A lot of American lager for pow pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do-gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today. To find out how to get, yes, some snacks. All right, guys. I mean, one freaking awesome sponsor. We don't ask you guys to do this much, but if you could, maybe just plug them on social media. Be like, we love tubs in Montucky. They're an awesome pair because we're also getting into, you know, another season. So uh, any love you can throw Montucky from us, uh, we would appreciate it. Um Around the bar. Uh, what, where, where do we want to start with this? But uh, Brian, you've been better at integrating these hashtag ass tubs. I think we have to start with the story of you know closing this book on closing the book on the spring season. Which listeners, if you just missed the last couple of weeks, Idaho closed out two and four. Three, we're riding a three game losing streak. We lost no game by more than 10 points. Every game is competitive, two and four, obviously not where we wanted to be. But to uh, start off the discussion, Chris, 
going to go to hashtag AskTubs from Nick Marv Stutz, a.k.a. Nick Stutzman. And uh, his question, three and three or two and four, two and four, so we finished, is a ways away from the projections I remember hearing before the season started. What's the sentiment around that? Not surprised due to COVID issues surrounding the season or disappointment? And uh, just before we throw it to anyone, the thing he's referencing, our preseason predictions were pretty dang optimistic. Uh, this is just from our, our episode before we before our, our week one game against Eastern. Chris and Martin picked Idaho to go 6-0. and Boatman picked Idaho to go 5-1, and our one loss coming to Eastern second game. Dallas and I both picked Idaho to go 4-2. and I picked us to get swept by Eastern. He, Dallas picked us losing UC Davis and losing the second Eastern game. But it really doesn't matter how you slice it. All of us were pretty dang off. So I guess, Boatman, maybe maybe we'll start with you, man. We we're, we were pretty high. I thought we were looking at a fringe playoff team, and that's not what we saw. Mute. I that, did it already. Awesome. Well, and there it is. Um, at the end of the <laughs> day, one, uh, we all do it at some point today. I, I would bet $20 on it. Um, at the end of the day, there's only one stat that matters. It's the win and loss column. Um, I'm going to try and paint a, a prettier picture. Like Brian said, we were competitive in all games. Um, we defeated Eastern first game in the Dome. Um, second game, when we played UC Davis, we were ahead until the fourth quarter, and we were missing eight starters due to COVID. That was not a great game to play in hindsight. Southern Utah, we played two backup quarterbacks and still won. Idaho State, if you remember preseason, I did actually pick that to be Idaho's trap game in a really weird way. I knew it was going to be kind of a little closer than it thought. Um but again, we played our third string quarterback that for most of that game didn't turn out so well. Eastern, we put in a whole new quarterback system that uh, we no one knew existed until Monday of that week, right? And then NAU, um, I didn't really get. I knew we were playing two quarterbacks when we recorded that Tuesday, and I wasn't so hot on it. I'm just never hot on two quarterback system. Um, if you guys remember the last year I played, we played two quarterbacks quite a bit of the year, and I was. It was tough to watch sometimes. Um, so I flashed back to that immediately. And I did – didn't I predict we were going to lose that game? Yeah, I, I had a feeling we were going to lose that game. Um, I, I knew it was coming. So, yeah, we, some people we, – we projected higher. Um, but, you know, we at the end of the day, the win-losses say we were far off. However, if you watch each game and you watch how close each game was, um, a couple different results, you know, at Idaho State, they go that that one goes different. At Cheney, we we score there at the end, right? Um, we are looking at a French playoff team. That's that's just the reality of it. Um, so it's it's hard to it, I don't know how far off we are, but when you play four quarterbacks in six games, good luck going going four and two or higher. So it's yeah. tough. It's tough. I'm I'm trying to be more optimistic, but yeah, I mean. There was areas and issues that we definitely need to improve on. Our secondary was not great. Um, some of our quarterback play was not great at times. It was inconsistent. So where do we need to improve? Kind of quarterback. If we improve our quarterback position, yeah, I think uh, we look at a French playoff team. We go. I think we look at four and two. I think Brian and Dallas were more spot on with where this team's actually at than maybe Chris and I were. Yeah. Um, sucks because <laughs> – I don't remember the preview. I, I we were changing it up this year. Usually, we go back, find quotes, make everybody try to decide who said that, and you know, laugh at how dumb it was. Uh, I view the preseason show usually as a huge um, hype 
episode. Uh, I had no idea I picked a six and zero in that episode. I very much in my head had us as a four and two with the uh, UC Davis loss and the Eastern second loss like Dallas. Um, either way, I thought that was more of a we slip up in those and we were not slip up uh, either. We were not seconds away from being a playoff team. Uh, what you hit on, I mean, I'll just get all the points out there for everybody that just apparently loves to live in self-loathing doubt. Yeah, obviously Paul Petrino is not looking like it's working out very great. Nothing we're going to say on this show, I hate to break to you at home, is going to change that. That He's not going anywhere. We can bag on him all we want. It's not going to get any better. So you just got to com- compartmentalize that and drink a glass of whiskey. I don't tell you. Alex is on it. Four quarterbacks in six games. Uh Find a hard, find a hard, or kind of hard to find a lot of teams uh, that are going to win when that happens. Um, it just doesn't. And I know to be fair, some of the court. I, mean, I think you saw ghosts of just about every single quarterback as well. We had a game where Nikhil Nair uh, looked like an absolute baller against Southern Utah, and then we had a game where he looked like a completely different guy against Idaho State. Mike Beaudry able to get us a win there against uh, Eastern Washington. But then again, second half, he kind of shows flashes of being great. First half was very rough. Finally kind of gets another game under his belt against NAU there. Looked very great in the second half. Started to look a little rough in the uh, first half, a little rough in the second half. So you look at it, the only guy who like showed super promise is C.J. Jordan. But as we knew, one of the reasons Mike Beaudry was brought in, brought in is possibly the fear of making sure Jordan has enough time to heal. Um, he got hurt. And, and Paul Petrino was big on this coming into the season saying, I think all talking about Beaudry, CJ and Nikhil, I think all three guys need to be prepared to play. Cause we saw what happened last year. Uh, as in when Mason went down and then Colton went down and then Nikhil had to come in against Idaho state. Cause once again, third string quarterback. So you could say one of the things we've struggled with the absolute most is quarterback health, which is just I don't know what you do about that. Um, I, I think, I mean, what, 2016, the last year we've had a quarterback go from pole to pole? Like, look, it's no secret. You go look around the, the big sky. Um, Eric Berrier, what does Eastern do if Berrier misses a game and they have to have Gunnar Talkington come in? Like, it happens. And I'm not saying we have an Eric Berrier on a roster, but like, Portland State, the ability to have a Davis Alexander play every game might get you that one extra game every season compared to just this rotating chairs we've had for three seasons now that it's just exhausting. This one more injury forced, but four years because it went back to 2017 when Mason got playing time and Colton and Matt Linehan. So I don't know. It's a lot of it comes down to quarterbacks, but at the same time, I think our our we were harsh on the secondary, and rightfully so. The secondary had some very weak points this year. But at the end of the day, uh, if you kind of just pull up what Idaho was able to do, for the most part, for how bad our secondary looked, the rest of our defense did a good enough job to make our defense still a formidable opponent. Our defense held just about all, but I can think off the top of my head, one game to a point total you would expect the team to be able to reach with a decent offense. Um, and we just didn't have that. So you look, 
last year, a lot of people blamed the quarterback position for a different reason. This year we're blaming it, but I think everybody can say that we probably have four guys on this roster. People think are definitely better than what we've had the past two. And we're putting out similar numbers offensively. We took a huge regression back in running back play, uh, whether that was scheme, whether that was motivation, whether that was having three freshmen on the offensive line at times, we don't really know, but we had big hopes. We talked about, I think last year, Brian and I, in our previews that the running backs were probably the second deepest group on this team with guys like Roshan, Thigpen, Nick Romano. Um, you had a guy like Martinez who was supposed to kind of come up and, and make some plays. And we didn't even see him. I don't think at all this year. So it, it was rough. Uh, definitely rough. Do I think this is absolutely a, you know, telltale sign of what to expect in the fall. No. Um, but it definitely doesn't give you tons of hope either. Uh, do I think we perform better in the fall? I don't know how you could perform much worse. Um, and I think the heat will officially be on in the fall because Paul's contract officially becomes buyoutable. And if he does not succeed in the fall, he could very well not get that final year. I, I wish 2023 in case you didn't know that's his last no, year. But, I'm saying, but after this fall, we would be at a point where you could probably get the money together to buy out. I love the optimism, Chris. That's the, uh, the Martin Heemstra hot take Heemstra school of optimism. Uh, I, maybe it's the Stockholm syndrome that's set in for me that I'm, I'm expecting. Yeah, it's just definitely is the day the contract. <laughs> you expires. really live in self-loving. <laughs> I really do. Uh, I mean, Shit, look at any of the teams I support. Uh, it, it makes sense. Uh, for me to answer Nick's question, not surprised due to COVID or disappointment. This is absolutely just disappointment to me. Like, I no, get it's not it. COVID at all? No, uh, the, the UC Davis was obviously a depth issue, but I don't. I don't think. I don't think they win that game at full health. Uh, it's. It's tough to look at these box scores going back. Uh, the Eastern game, obviously, the first game in a year and what a half. Uh, we all looked at this game and thought, wow, Mike Beaudry's pretty rusty. Things are going to get better. This was Beaudry's best game of the season, and he completed. It was his um, only game of the season. <laughs> he did play the, the UC Davis game the next week. Uh, this was the best line we got from, from the quarterback position all year. Next week, UC Davis, his completion percentage goes up, but he does throw the two picks. Uh, it doesn't quite look as good, but we chalked that up to UC Davis having a pretty good defense. Next week, he's out. CJ Jordan plays a little bit. Obviously not overwhelming statistics, but he does look really good out there as a true freshman. Has has some stuff come off the board because of penalties and, and whatnot. I mean, everybody remembers the Cottrell Haywood uh, helmet get ripped off and kind of bullshit call there, but Nyer steps in, looks great, goes 12 of 20, gets the two touchdowns, looks like, where has this kid been? Why has he not been playing? We immediately go to Idaho State. Beaudry plays, looks okay, gets hurt. Nyer comes in, and again, we now hear that he was hurt through this, uh, completes 33% of his passes, looks absolutely terrible. Then we go to Borish, who hasn't played quarterback in, what, four years, uh, doesn't get a chance to throw the ball a lot, looks great on the ground. Go to NAU, Beaudry's back in, looks okay for a quarter, looks actually pretty good for a quarter, and then kind of terrible for the next three. We all, at least 
we all were optimistic this season that things were going to get better. That's why we all thought it was going to be six and zero or five and one or four and two. We all thought things were going to look better, and and maybe with some actual consistency at quarterback, it does. But for me, this is just disappointment. We all uh, we all talk about the dead horse. I know I'm one of the biggest proponents of that, thinking that you know this is year three in the Big Sky. We've moved on from the the nepotism experiment because I think Paul knew he wasn't going to get fired for playing his kid. I can't blame him. I probably would have done the same thing if I was him. And here we go two and four, which is even worse than they've gone in conference the previous two years. And that's for me, that's just disappointing. Uh, I really thought, okay, year three in the big sky, no more kid dad ball. It's going to be a bunch of just guys that aren't related to Petrino, like a regular football team should be. And here they go two and four and don't, don't look particularly good doing it. If we go back to Southern Utah, seven seconds from this team being one and five. Eastern, 54 seconds left in a game they would have lost if the Big Sky had gotten that field goal correctly. Like We're about a minute away from this team going 0-6. Now, on the other foot, they were competitive in, in every game. So there's there's definitely breaks that could have happened here. But it's just, it sucks. And I know I went off on this for the last, uh, the post game show at NAU, but there's so much talent here. There's so many kids here that are so good. Oh, yeah. Talent year is not year. the issue. That's, yeah. Like year that's in and year the out, the, the recruiting classes are so high because there are some good kids here. And it's just, it's disappointing to see. We thought we had a team that was going to really do something or at least show some real strides, and instead they're, they're stuck in neutral just like they were yeah, previous seasons. Yeah, because you, you bring up such a good point, too, and like the talent is on the team. This definitely doesn't feel like a player issue. I mean, maybe an execution issue of players, but like the talent on our, our roster is one of the deepest in the big sky. Like, you look, we possibly have two – I mean, I think it's safe to say Trey Walker is going to get NFL looks. We possibly have two NFL guys playing linebacker at the same time. And to be fair, our, our our linebackers have never much looked like the problem. But it's like you have that. You have a guy like Chuck Cano who like is there. You you think about like even the like one off one hit wonders who have had no time in this program, and a guy like Ty Walker in 2018, and a guy like uh, Andre Carter in 2019. Like these are first year guys that were huge contributors, and you know I it's crazy to just think that we have this talent. Control Haywood, Jeff Cotton, like. It's no secret that, like, Petrino's been able to get more NFL talent in here than Rob Aiky. Like, you look at the guys that Aiky brought in, K.O., Iapati, aren't Aiky. You know, he brought in, what, Quentin Bradley and Benson Mayoa? And Corey Toomer. Yeah, Corey Toomer. Uh, but, like, so you got three guys. We got three guys that were on the NFL roster or could be on NFL rosters playing at the same time, and we couldn't get a winning record. At least when Aki had that all going, we won a bowl game. Like, it's – I don't know. It, it just sucks that you see the talent because, like, you don't want to blame the players. Um, I think I saw it pop up. Uh, Nick Weber brought it up. Yeah, we were hard on the secondary. The secondary looked improved. And if you're going to take a positive into fall, we went really heavy on DB in the recruiting class. And you also have a guy like Darian Nash who provides some leadership. So it's like, I don't know. It, there are some silver linings, but like we haven't really showed that like we're able to put it together in anything either. Yeah. I'm going to say to answer Nick's question is definitely disappointment. 
Um, part of it, I, I really think, is the the schematic approach to the offense. And the stat I'm going to reference, Mike Beaudry played essentially three complete games in terms of like stats accrued. He played all of Eastern. He played all UC Davis. He played, look, he split reps with Borish, but he had, he had all but one series in the second half. He had he, he had about three quarters of snaps for that game. That's fine to call a Beaudry game. His accuracy was okay, was fine, 59%. Um, the big issue that he had is Beaudry averaged the, of any quarterback who'd call a starter this year, Beaudry averaged the fewest yards per attempt at 6.4. Uh, as a reference, top of the conference was Vanderwald, Tyler Vanderwald, Idaho State at 8.7, pretty big gap. And he also averaged um, the fewest yards per completion by a, a relatively good margin. Beaudry was 10.8 per completion. Again, top of the con- conference, Tyler Vanderwald, 16.1. Idaho doesn't have to do what Idaho State does in terms of stretching the field, but I, I just think if we're going to be as conservative passing the ball as we are, our quarterback's got to have a completion percentage close to what Justin Miller has in Southern Utah, 66.7%. Well, we took that. more shots with Mason at quarterback. Yeah, yeah. We, threw, we, threw, we threw more fades with Mason at quarterback than we did with Beaudry at quarterback this year. Exactly, and that's part of why, Alex, it was tough watching – where Beaudry would look, I mean, look, he certainly had some consistency issues. Like against NAU, he's eight and nine in the first quarter for 101 yards. Looks great. Then he's 11 for 23 for 111 yards the rest of the way. But also, look, if a guy is not going to complete 67% of his passage, we passes, he has to be a little bit more aggressive. But simultaneously, the secondary, we gave up nine yards per attempt on the season which is more yards than the best passer in the league in terms of yards per attempt had the entire season. So essentially our average was every week we, we played against the guy who was as though he were the best quarterback in the league uh, in terms of yards per yards per attempt. And even when we looked all, we did look better. I mean, look, we looked good against Derek Barry in the wind, but it was 25 miles an hour wind. He still, still threw for a, a well over 300 yards certainly took over the game in the fourth quarter. So for me, I mean, the disappointment is that I feel like I made the mistake of buying in to Petrino as being a non-factor. And I guess I've just, I've just probably learned my lesson because you're, you guys are all right. We've talked about this different times. This team has some talent. There's obviously gaps. We talked in episode one, secondary and O-line are going to be a question. Hey dude, they're, they're still huge target areas for us to get better. If Beaudry gets better protection, he probably looks, he's probably going to be more comfortable. See if CJ Jordan's in there, he gets better protection. Obviously it's not going to hurt anyone, but I mean, if we're going to average 23 points a game on offense, like we did, which is worst in the league other than Cal Poly, heck we were closer to Cal Poly in points per game. than we were to Weber state in points per game. And Weber state is known for having an anemic offense. So just if if that's how we're going to be uh, offensively, we just have no margin for error on the defensive side of the ball, which is frustrating to say because, like, you know, we, we have all talked about, we do have a lot of very good players who could start on essentially any Big Sky team, be meaningful players on any Big Sky team. But here we are, uh, two and four. Doesn't feel like the Vandals are surging anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It- to bring up, I mean, I hate breaking down the talent, especially when we're not previewing season, we're reviewing, but like just because it wasn't part of the NAU discussion, like, you know, you had a lot of guys like Soli Shannon and those guys playing. Um, the, the Hogan Hatton, like, it was cool to see that, like, our linebacking play, not a huge dip off, which is promising, knowing that, like, it's a little scary when you think about losing guys like Trey, possibly Christian this year. 
Chuck's a redshirt senior. He could decline his eligibility. We haven't heard that he is, but he, in theory, could. It was nice to see we had some of these young dudes who are freshmen, redshirt freshmen, come in, and we still look pretty dang good uh, at the linebacking core. Mm. But then one of the problems is we haven't been recruiting the line the last couple of seasons either. So I I also think like you're looking at even if we can get a little momentum going in fall of 2021, man, that this recruiting year is going to be huge because like you have to fill up, probably still fix the secondary, start getting some offensive line replacements, and start getting some defensive lineman replacements. And it's no secret we still are yet to have a speed guy. At wide receiver, and to be like, I get that that's like we can throw that on the pass game. It's not because Tanner Connor and Landon Meesum are by no means speedy individuals, and yet they were amazing. Um, some of that's concept of having a speed guy like Gilroy or whatever for Idaho State, but at the same time, like, man, I get that like Paul keeps trying to bring in a speed guy. At this point, man, you got to throw three of them well, at the wall and see if one sticks. Like, well, let's not forget every, our all number three two have receiver. Gone down. Well, yeah, I mean, Jermaine Jackson was supposed to be our number two receiver this year. It wasn't supposed to be um, Hatton. Like, people yeah. don't realize that. It was supposed to be JJ, Jermaine Jackson, and Control were supposed to be. The, yeah, week one. Week one, turn, you know, blew out his knee. I don't know how, what, how bad of a blow. I don't know how long he's out. We hope we see, we see him in the fall. Wouldn't plan on it. Um, no. You know, knee recoveries are a lot faster than they used to be. But anytime you, you lose your speed guy, your second best receiver preseason – Week one, yeah, that was a speed guy. That was supposed to be the, the yeah. slot guy who was supposed to be dynamic and shifty. We'd get the ball to in space on those quick, small routes, and he was going to make a play. Lost Cattrell Kevin McGuire. Cottrell and, and um, in Hatton aren't that. They're your. They're supposed to be your possession guys. Go, you know, run more longer developing routes. Um, and the way that we ran the offense, we needed that speed guy to throw those quick, quick intermediate routes to to get the ball and make a play. I mean, even no matter how bad our offense was, I felt like David Unger was making plays his last three years at, at Idaho because we just throw mm-hmm. balls underneath to him and he's running up field somewhere, right? Like that, like I, it's still fresh in my mind and Dave still makes a living of that in the CFL. Um, we missed that this year for sure. Hopefully we find something for that in the fall because that was a, that was, that's a big part of Petrina's yeah. offense is always yeah. some smaller receivers who are quick on the quicker or any intermediate passing game. Yeah. But it just goes to show like, I just don't think, and like I kind of said, I guess I just want to make sure the point is is clear. Like, it's just going to show that yes, while our secondary was not great, as Brian covered, worst in the Big Sky, our defense still performed admirably. Like they put us in situations to win. There was no game it felt like the other team's offense was absolutely putting up points we shouldn't have been able to match. We just found ourselves not being able to match that. Like, I mean, you, you saw the box scores, Dallas. I'm just curious, like what's yep. the most points we gave up? 38. So, uh, 33, 32 Southern Utah, and then 38, 31 Eastern. So two over 38. 30. So it's, also, it's, well, hold up. We also got it with the Eastern man. Eastern scored 38 points, 38 points in less than 24 minutes of having the, having possession. That's, that's part of what I meant when I was, when I was bringing up that they're, I, I don't. I don't wholly see the growth thing. I mean, thirty-eight points and twenty-five mile an hour wins in twenty-four minutes is uh, no, that, that's a pretty saying, big chunk of change. But I'm just saying, if you have a good offense, all but maybe the thirty-eight points, that is a score line that if you would say, I think we can get there, right? Like, I don't think there's any score line that we read like thirty-two points. I feel like obviously we got the thirty-three, twenty-seven. We should be able to get to twenty-seven. Twenty-one. We got to twenty-one. Uh, 
38, a little tough. I mean, because we haven't put up 40 in, since Idaho State last year, maybe. Or no, NAU. Duh. But And then 19 points. Like, we can't – what more do you want? NAU is a pass-first offense, and we held them to 19 points. Like, if you told me – I think most of us had high score predictions in every game, like, we would go into. And then it's like – if you if I would have told you, all right, well, what if I tell you NAU scores 19 points? Do you think we win that game? I think most of us would be like, hmm, maybe we get 20. So yeah, maybe. But it's like we just can't put up points. It's just it's so bizarre to me. Are you are you pulling up the average points per game that teams have let up? Is that what you're trying I, to highlight? No, I was just showing red zone defense. That was a good red zone defense. Red zone stat. defense was pretty good. But then that was the best in the conference. Else. And we had the best yeah. red zone offense in the conference, but we just didn't get in the red zone. No. Too many punts from the 50 and the 45. Yeah. We had a lot of stalling out this year. Yeah. Like, I mean, or it felt like, I mean, it felt like every game I was watching, we'd have a um, few good, few good uh, first downs. And next thing you know, we're at the 50 and we punt. And we also benefited from a lot of calls. I felt like this year, the only uh, like terrible call I think that went against us was to control hands to the face. Everything else, I felt like usually bounced our way. We had some pass interferences, a missed field goal. Like so, I think this year, like you can't blame the refs. The refs probably helped keep some of our drives together, uh, especially against Eastern. We had a lot of pass interference calls go our way. So it's like, so how much of that is the offense compared to us getting 15 yards a pop from the the stripe shirts? Like, uh, there's just, throws. I don't know. Throws on the, I mean, on those fades, I mean, that happens more often than not in college football anymore. The DBs just don't turn, and you just got to put that ball up there and, and hope yeah. it happens. Because it but does happen like, quite a bit. That's what I'm yeah. saying. I'm, I'm not saying we drove down to the 45. I'm just saying, like, at points, we were handed the 45-yard line. Yeah. And no, it, couldn't get to the 25 for a kick. Well, and it's got to be some – I mean, I, I got to hope Paul Petrino reevaluates the fact that Scott Borish was our second-best offensive outing of the season on three days prep. If that that's the, the reason why that conversation even lasted as long as it did afterward, when he didn't look particularly great passing the ball, though again, 25 mile an hour wins for an, it, it impacted Eric Barrier. He's the best quarterback in the league. So it's going to impact him. It's going to impact our fourth or fifth stringer. But second best offensive outing of the season came when Paul had to do, you know, the opposite of what he wanted to do. That that point has got to mean something for a team that averaged 23 points a game this season. And that's all. By the way, 23 is buttressed off of getting 31 out of Borish. You subtract the Borish game, we're under 23. So that's, I mean, that's just the offensive thing that we're that we're all talking about in different ways is that topic wouldn't be, ma- it would be magnetizing to like four fans on all Vandals because we know, like the, we've talked about on the show, the conspiracy, the, the Scott Borsch conspiracy. But the fact that he came in, gave us our second best offensive outing of the season. If that doesn't give pause to to the head coach about, Hey, like maybe we're way too conservative. If running the ball, every single play was more effective than what I did all but one game, the entire season. I like, I don't really know what's going to. Yeah. Uh, Let's let's move on here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hashtag ass tubs from Idaho grown T cash, Taylor cash. Uh, Hashtag ass tubs. What's your guys' best and worst moment of the season, Dallas? Oh, man. Uh, best moments, uh, the Beaudry touchdown uh, at the end of the Eastern game. Uh, that was mind-blowing. Uh, 
that was kind of the pinnacle of this season for me thinking, okay, you know, Eastern dropped a ton of balls. Barrier's accuracy wasn't quite there. Both teams were pretty rusty. The refs missed that awful field goal, but at the end of the day, they got it done. Beaudry hit the, hit the score when it counted. And then the worst moment was everything else after that. Um, realistically though, the worst moment was, was Idaho state uh, going in there thinking, you know, it's rivalry game, but this is like, this is nut up or shut up time. And this is where we're going to find out if this team is, is actually in that second tier. We've kind of talked about of Eastern UC Davis thought it was going to be Idaho or this team is just the same old, same old. And that's kind of where it fell apart. Uh, also shout out to Cade coffee, hitting the 51 yarder in, in this final game. Uh, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, but those were, those were my best and worst moments. Bowman. Um, yeah, Paul Petrino has never attempted a field goal longer than that in his eight seasons as Idaho head coach. So props to Cade. Um, best moments, you know, it's going to be either Beaudry or Nikhil. I- I'm actually go that whole Nikhil drive, right? Like it's a two minute drill. It's a guy who's never played that much meaningful football in his career and caught at the collegiate level. Um, yeah, I felt good for him going down there and doing that and Cottrell making that, making up for that touchdown drop he had earlier that game. Worst moments, I'm going to say NAU just as a whole. I mean, we didn't score any offensive points. Our only game goals, our only score of that game was our kicker um, who should have had 12 points and we should have been within six, right? Um, you know, talking to him about that missed field goal he had. But I think that NAU game, I, I, Idaho State, I knew that game was going to be weirdly, weirdly tough. Um, but you thought maybe NAU uh, would win a game on the road there at the end of the year. And just to not put up any offensive points um, sucks. Yeah, for me uh, – or no, so Brian, you can go for, go first or next. Yeah. Man, I'm going to say so, being in the Southern Utah game was the high point for me. Like there was excitement after the Eastern game, but look, we were 2-1 and one after Southern Utah. Playoffs, being that fringe playoff team was still in the picture. Mm-hmm. Seeing C.J. Jordan look – um, every bit as good as promised. Like we are, we know that some big plays were taken off the board, but we saw him in person. Man, he looked good. By the way, I also also got to uh, meet Dallas and Boatman like in person in a way I hadn't really got to before, which is just fun. Uh, being at the games now, because um, you know because of the show, like there are some people who like the show. And people are just friendly now, which is fun. Um, so being being at a good game like that, where still thought playoff hopes were alive, that was probably the top for me. Man, I and low point. Oh my god, man. NAU was really just was really frustrating in that mm-hmm. to me. That game, Idaho State was probably more like emotionally devastating, but losing NAU the way we did, putting up nine points against a not very good defense. Our our defense looking great, but a blocked punt gave NAU their only touchdown or put them in position for their only touchdown. That was an unbelievably rough game to get through. That was the only game we had this season where I was telling myself, if we didn't have a show, I'm not watching this game. But it just, yeah, you, you compare that to the high of Southern Utah, that, that's definitely my low point. Yeah, my high point, it's hard either winning and tackling Dallas or obviously for me, anytime I will be synonymous with Nikhil Nair like going forever because I've been calling for him for two years when he went in against Florida. Like I was actually driving to meet people. I like had, I saw the game 
flipped it off to go drive to people to watch the game at their house because, you know, we don't get games on ESPN all the time. And all of a sudden, Nikhil and I are just blows up on my Twitter. And I'm like, holy crap, my guy's in. TJ's texting me. I'm trying to find the game on the radio. Like, um, so that was big. And then, you know, got to pull against Idaho State, held on for the win there. And then obviously getting to see really him, you get to take a game into control instead of just like manage it and get six throws against uh, Florida and then like seven flows against, throws against Idaho State. So seeing the kill get a whole whole second half basically was really cool. Um, that was a high for me. Low, <laughs> this is weird to say because it totally contradicts everything I said, uh, probably Southern Utah. Because though we won, that was the game where I started to turn and realize what the season was going to go to. So that or UC Davis. um, Because UC Davis, I mean, just think about that. You talked about being 2-1. and Like, imagine if we beat UC Davis, held on there, didn't just, you know, could have had a couple stops. Like, we're 3-0. and going in Idaho state and like this whole second, the second half of the season would probably be a whole different disaster. Cause we didn't get like a slow burn up to it. I've been like, Oh wow. We got upset. Oh wow. We just lost to Eastern. Oh wow. We just lost NAU. At least like we got that slow burn up. Of, like we lost early to UC Davis struggle against Southern Utah, lost Idaho state, lost the Eastern lost NAU. Like you kind of got to s- watch your hopes slowly fade away instead of like, can you imagine if we were three and zero going to Idaho state, how pissed we would have been about that game. And then how we would have been talking about how pissed this team was to come back against Idaho or Eastern Washington, probably still lose that game. Like, I don't know. Southern Utah, just seeing that it did take even with, I mean, it's no secret. I've been talking up CJ since we signed him. Um, he's definitely who I want to see a quarterback. Um, Shout out, go watch his highlight video. Tell us if you guys recognize anybody in it. Uh, but uh, I also like was worried to see that like he put up that performance. Nick Hill looked great, and we still struggled to get out of that game with a win. The guy who I think is absolutely the future of the program, the guy who I wish had been the future of the program for the last two years, looked, both looked phenomenal, and we barely escaped by Southern Utah. And that's where I started to realize why I predicted us to lose Idaho State. I just did Idaho State was trending up and we were trending down. And that's why like that game did not strike me. I thought it was very obvious we were going to be the worst team in that game or the, you know, out of the two playing. So for me, if Southern Utah, though, it was cool to see those guys play both of them. The fact that both of them played and played great and we still barely beat Southern Utah just it worried me so that was my low because after that my expectations i saw idaho state coming um and then it was all downhill from there but uh next up where is idaho compared to the rest of the big sky uh and i think we can kind of pair this into the next kind of point we had here um does the two and four finish change your understanding of idaho headed into fall of 2021 so like let's kind of talk about fall 2021 here thousand mile view right we've got a whole summer maybe some transfers some dudes who could leave other teams have tons of news but we've seen montana play we've seen portland state play montana state plays a spring game those you remember those old classic things uh 
this weekend. So we'll have an idea about kind of where Idaho is headed in the 2021 middle of the pack, bottom of the pack, pushing playoff tier, pushing championship tier. Um, and how much stake do you put in? I mean, this is the whole thing we talked about at the beginning of the year. How much stake do you put in a six game spring season? Is this a telltale sign for the fall? Or is this a, you tried some things, things didn't go our way, lack of motivation. Brian? Oh, this absolutely obliterates the idea of Idaho trending up. I know that I I bought into the idea of us being potentially a fringe playoff team heading into this season, which is what the understanding would have been had spring season not existed. And you look at the teams who didn't play, which is Montana. Montana just put up 48 against Portland State. Portland State shut us out last year. Uh, We're not beating that team. Then Montana State, I mean, maybe there's variables about how they look. Um, but they certainly, you'd have to predict, project them being above us. Ditto Sac State. So, I mean, we finished two and four, but there were three tough teams that could have been on a schedule that weren't. Montana and Montana State are on our schedule for the fall. So, I mean, what this, what this makes me understand the team as is if Idaho's trending up, like it's just at the most minuscule rate possible. And we're not like, again, we're not a bad team, but if you thought fringe playoff run was on the table, I mean, I'm certainly, I picked us this season as though I thought a fringe playoff season was on the table. Not a chance that's going to happen in the fall that I guess I honestly thought with the talent that um, like Petrino would be a non-factor and the talent, he, he might not win game games for us, but wouldn't lose any, um, no, I'm just I'm going to view Idaho now as an agent of chaos. We're not going to make the playoffs. We're going to have some wretched games. We're also going to have some pretty good looking games against good teams. And then we're going to likely going to leave confused about how the hell do we understand who we are? Yeah, and my take you you want a something to hang your hat on? Um, some team in the Big Sky that's supposed to be trash always seems to win it. Maybe it's us. So, you know, run with that as far as you can run with it. Um, But at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, Brian kind of touched on it. We get a lot of the tough teams, like, next year. Our schedule does us zero favors now. The big sky is the big sky. UC Davis could totally fall flat on their face. I mean, Portland State's a consensus top four big sky program, according to big sky media types. Um, You're at Eastern. You're home against Montana. We'll probably beat NAU at home. Um, we do have in the Big Sky a winning record at home each season, uh, so that will be great. Probably beat Southern Utah at home. You're probably going to lose to Montana State, who, you know, maybe if you had them early in the season, you could get them with the new coach and still no real exclamation point at quarterback. But by the last, second to last game of the season in Bozeman in the snow, I don't like us in that matchup. Idaho State. The road teams won every single year. What's to say that's going to change? Like, um, this schedule did not break our way. I, man, I mean, NAU and Southern Utah, probably the only two games I expect us to for sure win. Probably Portland State. We'll probably win all our home games except Montana, and we'll probably yet to have a road win again. Uh, we'll have, we will be one and, what would that be? 15, 14 on the road in the big sky? Not not, not stellar. Um, and of 15. course, we're probably, of course, we schedule Indiana. 
woohoo, like terrible seller dweller of a Big Ten program who all of a sudden, right before we play him, becomes a top 10 program. Uh, Oregon State trending up. Um, so even like our power five games, like if you wanted to be like, well, maybe they're games we can competitive in for a half for once. Nope. Indiana's probably going to kill us. Oregon State's probably going to kill us. Simon Frazier, we don't necessarily blow teams out. We struggle with Western New Mexico State. Kind of struggled to get off the ground against Suns for Washington. Expect something similar week one against Simon Frazier. Maybe a little less with all this, like, uh, practice we were able to get in the spring, but I mean, yeah, I, I you're going to be middle of the pack where we've been somewhere between six and 10 probably is, is my guess. Um, finishing preseason six, poll. And, six and 10. Oh, and the poll. I was in like, the poll, yeah. yeah. Six yeah, and so probably going to be ranked somewhere around nine to 10 entering the season. Um, maybe um, you can crawl up to that six spot. I'm talking preseason Big Sky poll, everybody. But. <laughs> but but Boatman does. I mean, you you have player background. Boatman does. How this season shook? Does that change your understanding of Idaho heading into next season? Um, if anything, I think going into the last couple games, guys I had talked to were actually pretty excited. I don't think it changes the expectation. I think you know they were disappointed on how things were, but they also, like I said, I, I'm going to take a more um, glass half full approach because as a player, that's, that's what you do. And they were, man, like, man, we're so close, man. They fe- they feel really close inside the program, right? Um, but I look at this schedule and I see five and six. I, I I see four and seven. We'll win more than three games. If we if we break six and five, we get to six and five. That's a that's a hell of a year, boys. That's when I see that schedule. If we go six and five, um, because Dallas, he did have that schedule up. Um, yeah, Simon Fraser should win. Indiana, Oregon State probably lose by at least four scores. Probably lose to UC Davis. Probably beat Portland State. Maybe, hopefully, pray we're at home. So we seem to do well at home. We beat Portland uh, State at home before. We'll probably play Eastern close for some ungodly reason. Even though they're going to probably be a top ten team in the FCS, and they're going to hate us for it. Um, Montana. I don't even know where to go with that one. Um, and I used it in Utah. We might lose both of those. I'm not sure. And then uh, we'll probably somehow, probably somehow lose to NAU and Southern Utah, but then somehow finish off beating Montana State and Idaho State for no ungodly reason other than that we're Idaho and we don't make sense. And uh, so we talk about Eastern's missed phantom field goal. I still have a bone to pick with Bozeman's uprights too. So let's not forget that in 2018. And that was an actual one point thing that was like actually going to send the game to overtime. So yeah, still have bone to yeah. pick there. Um, I don't know. I mean, expectations um, expect to win four games, be happy, be going eh, five. If we go, if we win six games, be happy. That's where I'm going to say. That's how yeah. I, and, that's how I'm and to be say. fair, before we criticize ourselves too much for all of our hype, we were a preseason top twenty-five team by multiple actual media outlets, so it's not like the FCS, we sat the here FCS on this podcast. Yeah, it's not like we sat here on this podcast yeah. and artificially made ourselves feel great. There were a lot of people, not including us, that thought this team was going to be able to put something together. But Dallas, we're going to hear changes so to, in expectations. To loop it back to the question: Does the two and four finish change our understanding of Idaho headed into fall twenty twenty one? Absolutely, it does. Um, I truly believed deep down that this team, when Mason Petrino was no longer the quarterback, 
it would turn around and Idaho would become the bully that we were told they were going to be when they dropped down to the FCS. And this season proved to me that's not going to happen. As long as Paul Petrino is here, this team is not going to finish in the top half of the big sky. Uh, there's just nothing here that, that convinces me that anything's going to change. He's won, he's what, one and 11 on the road in the last three years. I think three and five, three and five, two and four in conference the last three years. Uh, it's not just, it wasn't just Mason isn't running the offense because he, he can't throw it as far as we might want him to. This is what Idaho football is a team that has a good front seven, a secondary that is hit or miss. Maybe that's because there seems to be a lot of cover zero and cover one and the cushion of death from the secondary and not enough points to, to actively win games. Uh, This is, it's a tough pill to swallow for me. It has completely changed my understanding of Idaho. I truly believed if they'd played fall 2020 and then, you know, this spring 2021, I honestly believed Idaho was going to be competing for a playoff spot. And right now, I see nothing to make me think that that's going to happen next season. All right. All right. Let's, let's wrap up around the bar with one word to describe the season. And you can't use disappointment because we already covered it was disappointing. Back to you, Dallas. Uh, this is going to get profane. Clusterfuck. <laughs> you got to get a longer pause before you just <laughs> drop the swear word. Uh, Sorry. If anybody's listening, rewind time for 20 seconds. <laughs> And then pause the podcast. Uh, now I got to go put the explicit tag on it. Yeah, darn. Uh, or edit it. We'll see. But I'm not probably editing this one. So uh, for me, I'm is unhyped a word. Like if it's not, it's officially a word. The season was very unhyped. As in like not, not hyped, but like unwound. The hypeness unwound itself throughout the season. We went real high, real low. To the point where it was like a joke at the end. Brian? Staying narrow to Idaho football, to me, it's it's chaos. But not not in the sense of us causing chaos in the conference. Uh, as in us being chaotic towards ourselves. And the, the thing to look at is we, every season, man, we're going back and forth about like, hey, we're talented, but we're not putting it together. Hey, we look better in – our front seven is great, but our secondary is worse than the league. There's just – just through the season, there's way the program itself is far too chaotic uh, in my mind for for what we all what I thought they were going to be. Bowman, one word for the season. Oh, hold on. I'm, I'm, that, that sounds like a good answer to me, man. Hold on. I'm, I'm looking for a fun word to say. Um, you can borrow mine. <laughs> um. Shortfall. I mean, we just fell short in a lot of different areas. Um, fell short in the win column. Our defense fell short of stopping the pass, and our offense fell short of putting up enough points. So, say shortfall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, real quick, Boatman. Um, what What have you kind of ears to the pavement there on transfer and players not taking their eligibility, other than uh, obviously the myth, the man, the legend, number fifteen, Gade Coffee. Yeah, so um, Cade has kind of made it uh, unknown that he will not be returning in the fall. He could have come back. I pleaded for him to be a 25-year-old senior this October. He didn't want to do it. It's really funny. Cade would have been a 25-year-old senior, and Cade's Mormon, but he didn't go on his mission. So that would have been really funny. Um, 
I wish he would have, but I understand life life calls and he's ready to move on. Um, I know he's NFL scouts have, have been reaching out. I, but I know he's prepared not to try and pursue football, but mainly uh, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I think he's going to get into the financial services or things like that uh, in the real world of life. Um, Cameron Lang, um, long snapper or short snapper. Cause he took, he did PAT duties. He's also not coming back. So we lost um, two of our four um, specialists that we use on fourth downs. Uh, Hatton will be back. The other Hatton will be back to snap and Connor Whitney will still be around to hold. Logan Prescott will take over kicking and kickoff. He still does kickoff duties. Um, he probably will punt, but I'd love if Idaho brought in the punter as Landon Rico comes in next fall from his mission. Yes, there is another Rico. Yes, one is probably better than the other one. His name's Ryan. Sorry, Austin. Ryan's better, uh, and he's at BYU. Um, Christian Ellis is testing out the NFL. Did not sign an agent. So if he does not – if nothing happens, nothing – I think it's pretty much if he, won't, if he doesn't get drafted, he'll be back. Um, and I know Caden doesn't have an agent either. In my conversations, it, it's pretty much if he do, if he does not get drafted, he's coming back to Idaho. He's not transferring anywhere. I haven't heard of Trey Walker transferring. I think we've seen would have seen a lot of guys put their name in the transfer portal this week for Idaho. Um, we have not really FCS kind of blew up with transfer portal guys this week. We haven't seen anything as of yet out of Idaho that was too big. Um, I know Tevin Duke is not coming back to the program. I don't know if that's a transfer or just wanting to leave football, but no one else um, is really transferring out as of right now. Um, I, so if we somehow get Christian Ellis back, he doesn't get drafted. I pray to God that no the NFL teams want to talk to him next season. Um, I, I hope – I hope we can return a lot of our starters and we pretty much only starter we would have lost is our all American kicker and punter. That's, I mean, I mean, that's stability is great. So yeah, Trey Walker is not going anywhere. Yeah. I was going to say Trey Walker on Twitter. Love this program. We building up five days ago with a highlight from the university. I know that sounds to me like a guy who intends on returning. He doesn't say, I love this program. We building up and then, you know, hightail it to the, to the, the old portal that'll send you somewhere magical. And like Patrick's question says on the screen, um, you know, about whether or not declare or not. I, I, I know the and the uh, with basketball, it became um, if you didn't sign an agent, you you could go to the draft. You didn't get drafted, you can come back. Um, I think football has adopted that model, and I think especially there's more leniency this spring, especially for FCS players. Right? What else are they supposed to do? They kind of got screwed. Um, so. From what I've heard, that's what's going to happen. He doesn't sign an agent, doesn't have a lawyer really, um, but everyone else is pretty much back. So, I mean, we talk about talent, we talk about stability. I mean, it doesn't help, doesn't hurt a team having that much guys coming back with who had playing time at, at a Division One level that, that might not have had, especially um, guys in secondary and all, on the offensive line. So we return a lot. Hopefully Chuck is healthier. I hope Jermaine Jackson's healthier, but I think we're pretty stable in terms of roster turnover this year, which to kind of talk about, I know I'm getting long here on this. Um, there's guys who are in the transfer portal, new, newly in the transfer portal from FBS who have played, um, who we can't go after, right? Like uh, there's guys we just can't spend scholarships on because we don't have that much turnover this year. So um, that is kind of another interesting move. I, I, I know like – I see guys all the time, and I, I send some guys to some coaches that I know, hey, what about this guy? And it's, it's just I've heard back, we don't have the scholarships to give out right now because of our lack of turnover. So another interesting take, um, we can't go 
get transfer talent that is now in the portal. Um, yeah. So can we borrow some of the basketball scholarships that aren't being used boat? Any news on that? Uh, I wish Brian, I why, why don't we just, we should just give them to us. We put them on basketball scholarship. They, they'll probably still be better basketball players than our old guys who'd left anyway, for the most part. And, uh, That's I, true. I mean, I, Couple I mean, Jackson honestly, Woodwards, he's starting in you, safety. You know, you know, we had a we had an intramural team at Idaho back in the day that had some uh, good basketball talent on it. Kate yeah. Nellis, Austin Rico. Can um, we transfer Matt Jackson Renahan. Woodward's scholarship to basketball and then like open that up to recruit somebody in? But Jackson still participates you, on the football team. I know so, just the guy. I know just the guy. Zach Bafis hit a nasty mid range jumper for our intramural team back in the day. Hit that eighteen footer perfectly every time. Steve, you, Alex, you can't say this out loud because if you read the stories about Klaus recruiting, you know that what say that whatever the dude's name is just said, he's getting a text message right now about yeah, Zach Bafis. I mean, yeah, Bafis. Bathus, yeah. you still want to play? Bathus, yeah, come out of retirement from uh, football. Come back yeah. from Salt Lake selling real estate. We'll get you back in Moscow. All right, we're going long, and I just saw these mis- miscellaneous hashtag ass tubs because we're trying out new formats. Uh, we're going to run through these like literally fast as can be, but I want to reward everybody for actually asking hashtag ass tubs. So thank you guys for that. Uh, we got from at Vandal Lee. Given that our offensive line and defensive secondary are in need of help, who do you see currently on the team? that can step up and help out Bowman. Hmm. How team that can step up and help out. Um, I think our O-line actually did improve quite a bit over the course of the year. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be a problem group for us in the fall unless we ma- randomly missed three guys in a game like we did against UC Davis. I will kind of always point to that as a reason we maybe lost that game because Mike Beaudry was running for his life and CJ Jordan might have been better suited for that game. Secondary, um, God, I'm blanking on his name. He's not on the team currently, but he's coming in in the fall. Yes, him. Uh, <laughs> probably one of our more highly recruited players we've landed in a long time. Yeah, um, I think – does anybody have an answer that's not Zama J. Duncan? I don't know who else because Darian Nash, as you mentioned, I've heard he's not come back to the program, um, which is not Ooh. great. So, Well, to be fair, he got picked on a lot by at Montana. That was kind of a gamble to begin with. Yeah, so, I mean, you just hope some guys get better. Um, you hope we just see improvement. I know we had some JUCO guys um, and transfers who hadn't played too much this last spring. Um, Josh Jones, Arnell Walker, or Arnell Parker. No, all one yeah. Parker. Anyway, I hope we are no Walker and all one Parker. I hope both of those guys um, do kind of step up in the corner yeah. position because we really need it. And yeah. for the most part, Boatman, well, I mean, you actually answered this earlier with the scholarship thing of our best shot there is just player development. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. I mean, we're going to have to develop these guys. Uh, we Parker, a lot of young Walker. dudes. Yeah, uh, we're going to have secondary to. and offensive we're, line. I mean, we just need we just need one or two guys in that secondary to step up. I still think Tyrese Edmonds is solid safety, a lot of playing experience. Um, we just need corners. I mean, how many times we this year did we see guys just throw jump balls down the sideline and our guys not do much about it? Um, That's the past hundred what he has. Right? How many times did Tyler Vanderwall do it to us? Right? Um, if, if we stop half of those this year, I think we look at a completely different team. Right? We just need one corner to really step up and. Uh, become a lockdown guy the way that uh, Wood Hightower was for us. Anyone else got anybody else? Uh, I want to shout out Nate as a party and Grayson Haywood, both playing in every single game on the line as true freshmen. Um, obviously the line wasn't great, but if you're getting that experience as a freshman, uh, I think Elijah Sanchez got a couple games in. I mean, they played four or five freshmen this year. So that, 
getting snaps here in the spring, they'll still be freshmen in the fall. Being able to build off of that, hopefully we'll see the line kind of improve as we did have to. I, I think you nailed it. The question at line was like, what are they going to look like? And did they look stellar? No. But did they look serviceable? Yes. And that was with a lot of young dudes. That will only get better with them playing. Yeah. So the line will take care of itself if we can keep the guys in house. Uh, last hashtag ass tubs from Chris Riddle Riddlemoser uh, at Riddler eighty three eight five five. I see him in the comment section. So sorry if I phonetically said that wrong. Why should anyone watch this uh, bleep anymore? Petrino's beyond incompetent. The administration does nothing about it. Do you guys enjoy getting kicked in the nuts every Saturday? Anybody it's my drug. This one. It's I'll my drug. This. I'll tackle yeah. this, dude. I did the basket. Dallas and I did the basketball instant reaction episodes. So I mean, my answer for the basketball season is the same as football season. One, there's people who want to talk about Idaho sports, and there's people who want to hear about Idaho sports. If you sub- we're essentially the only fun coverage that exists. And the only coverage that has any sort of dissenting uh, tone at all when we're losing games. Because, I mean, part of why I got into this when you started this, Chris, I, I couldn't stand looking at Vandal Nation when we got killed. And the tone of what I was reading was, oh, well, yeah, of course, everyone gets killed. There's nothing wrong here. Um, I felt like for basketball season, it was important for people to get eyes on Claus. You should never been hired in the first place. But for football season, one, we like it. We, this is the team we care about. But two, if you think there should be eyes on something you want changed, we're the only show in town, guys. So if we don't do it, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, my, my take's always, at the end of the day, I'm a vandal. Like, we've had worse seasons. Believe it or not, this season feels really bad. We've had seasons where we snuck out with one win. So at least we got two, and we're trending to get four on normal years. Mm-hmm. Like, all things considered, this decade or like the back half of this decade from 16 to call this season what it was, you know, um, so 20, so that doesn't count, but 18, 19, 16, 17, 18, 19, hell, even 15. We were winning four plus games a year. You tell somebody that in the year like 2007, tell that to somebody in the year 2011. Like, they would tell you you're crazy. There's a time where we are, like, are expected to win four games. Like, at the end of the day, yeah, it sucks, and it took a move to the FCS to get there, even though three of those seasons were FBS seasons as well. But at the end of the day, it's better than it was. I'm a vandal, and um, if I'm not talking about it on this show, I would just be self-pitiful at my house. So this is a lot more fun. (laughs) As far as the Petrino thing, man, in the administration not doing something, anybody's got money. I'm sure Scott Green would be willing to take it to buy out that contract. Problem is nobody's ponying up the dough. Um, There was talks two years ago. We had somebody tell TJ and I at a bar in Seattle who was on his way to meet with the president that that was a topic of conversation was get it what it would take to get rid of him. Nobody, we don't have the money. Like that's why we're stuck with it. So like, yeah, like I said, we all know it's right there hitting us in the face every single week. Now there's nothing we can do about it. Um, well, I mean, some, maybe I mean, somebody can, maybe you can, Chris. Uh, I, I can't, um, I wish I could, um, but I can't. Um, 
<laughs> I, I, I enjoy getting kicked in the nuts every Saturday, watching Idaho football. I've been doing it my whole life. I mean, so it's my drug in honor of 420. Idaho football's roller coaster is my drug. <laughs> we did um, have to the over-under. We did have to mention it. I mean, come on, it is here. Um, and also, I mean, shoot, we, we do it because you guys, you guys love to listen. Uh, we have more listeners now than ever. And we also have the highest following of any uh, Big Sky Podcast Network show. Only the one with over a thousand followers on Twitter uh, by a mile. So yeah, we have, there's a market for Idaho misery, and we're the kings of it. So can you imagine um, when we're doing it? We start losing followers. <laughs> so dude, we have to we have to hear from Dallas. This is on my this. life. We have to hear from Dallas on this too, guys. But just FYI, what Boatman said: we if we weren't getting downloads from our awful basketball season, we would have stopped, and I would have just had a life on Saturday. But the like the amount of people who followed a one win team was much higher than you would guess, and it was much more stable than you might have guessed. So there's a market. There are vandals out there. People do want to hear the stuff. But I mean, look, look who else? Idaho basketball doesn't have a beat writer. So like, if it's not us, then who? But we we got your hammered down on this too. So for me, it's. Being a vandal is pain. I say it all the time on Twitter. Um, it's just it, that's what it is. I was a freshman in 2009, so that bowl game, I was at it. It was incredible. The next season, they lost a bunch of one-score games, and you know they still looked competitive. And then in 2011, uh, shots fired at the current coaching staff. Brian Reeder put together like the worst quarterback season I've ever seen in my entire life, uh, and they lost a whole bunch of games because they scored. Uh, 11 points against Louisiana Tech, 14 points against Hawaii. They lost in overtime against Virginia because he threw into triple coverage over the uh, top of Michael Legron's head. Like a lot of really awful things. It was like, okay, that you know, maybe there's maybe there's hope here. And that was when I started selling myself on there's going to be hope. And then we watched the program explode when in Aki's final year, where they started getting blown out by 40 against guys and all the allegations of things that were going on in the background and Petrino rebuilding the the culture of the program, but not really rebuilding the results. And every year is just hope. And it's nice to talk to people that aren't selling the same hope that Vandal Nation and Go Vandals are, where it's like nothing bad ever happens. This is a place that I feel like I can talk with these three guys and I guess uh, four or five, five guys, because you count Martin and Sean in there too, uh, where we can kind of talk about the actual shit that's going on with Idaho sports, because most of the time it's, it is misery. Uh, and I, now that I'm not on campus anymore, I'm not even in Idaho anymore. I've got nowhere to go other than than tubs. So that's why I listened for so long. That's why you guys brought me in here. I see uh riddle Moser is now jumping in, pointing out uh, really bad years for other teams. And <laughs> I reminded him the 2011 La Tech game and just, you know, right. just bad football for years. Hey, hey, God damn, it's great talking about Idaho sports and our subpar performances throughout our whole lives. But hey, it's what I'm here for. I'm <laughs> hey, here to so, tell you. Someday I'm, we'll get to we'll get to enjoy the fruits of our labor. Hey, and I'm talk always going to remind you of the hopefully 80s. Hopefully undefeated, at least FCS undefeated Idaho team. Yes, it is. Really get to enjoy those days and we'll go, <laughs> you guys remember the days where we had to cover like three D1 wins in a calendar year? How great was that, huh? <laughs> Uh, anyways, um, for men's sports, women's sports, getting on that soccer wagon, <laughs> women's good. hoops are freaking ballers. Um, but that's around the bar. 
Brought to you by Hughes River Expeditions, a new sponsor. Once again, give them some love. Let them know that uh, the tub sent you. If you are looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States, located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the salmon, the main salmon river of no return, the Salmon River Canyon, through the Selway. You can even go on special trips like one to see the Perside Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing white water, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, and take in the history all along the river's edge. Oh, and by the way, you get to fish some of the most remote stretches of river, river in the country. Rivery. Uh, you, you bring like your clothes on the HRE, handle the rest. Hughes River Expedition has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to cra- grab a paddle, oh. catch dinner, and ride the bull. All throughout the Gem State, call them now at 800-262-1882. Check them out at HughesRiver.com. The, the dock got stuck on scroll, and I couldn't see the bottom line. Um, we, hold on. we just got the comment of the year in Nick Weber saying he downloaded basketball episodes to keep me off the streets. Nick, my family thanks you. <laughs> yeah. that was, Dude, if we had 100 Nick Webbers, I don't know. We'd be... We probably do have 100 Nick Webbers. It's probably why everybody downloads it, actually. <laughs> but thank you for leading the charge there, Nick. Um, watching the TV this weekend, ah, pretty easy. Um, but we're only going to care about the Big Sky games. Eastern Washington versus North Dakota. Oh, by the way, it's the FCS playoffs, in case you didn't put that together. And there are two Big Sky teams playing in it. What are your guys' predictions on NDSU versus EWU? Dallas? Oh, God. I want to pick Eastern because, as I've admitted, Eastern is my quote-unquote second team in the big sky, but North Dakota State. Uh, Ryan? I, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dallas. I was just saying, I, I don't think it's going to be particularly close. I think North Dakota State wins by double digits. Ryan? I'm going to go North Dakota State. I'm in the same world as Dallas. I really want to pick Eastern. I really want to pick Barry A. I just feel like they are, they're very good. They just don't have the upper echelon talent they did in 2018. Bowen? Did you guys see uh, the video of Trey Lance throwing in the Fargo Dome for his pro day this week? I like where you're going. You stole me. Yep. Did you? Did, did you? You saw it, Chris? Yeah. yeah. Is he playing for North Dakota State on Saturday? No, he is not. Eastern Washington wins by two scores. Yeah. I also have. Eastern Washington curb stomping the Bison. The Bison have not looked good all year. Zeb Nolan looks like he could barely start at Idaho. Uh, Isn't Zeb not playing? That's the only reason why I didn't take that. They keep saying that, but yet he keeps rolling out there. Okay, well, if Zeb And they lost their starting running back, so they kind of lost that running back by committee. You are taking in a normal year, yeah, it's cold, whatever you get. You're going to take who should be the Walter Payton Award winner, best player in the FCS, and you're going to put him in a 72-degree climate change dome to play this season against a watered-down defense that's dealing with a lot of injury right now? Eastern's look better, I think, honestly, too. Uh, I have him by 14. Idaho State. Um, You know, it sucks for them losing Ty Graham. Uh, Shout-out Ty Graham. We we love Ty Graham on this podcast. Um, Tori blew his knee again. Other knee that he blew out from when he's at Idaho. So one of their defensive captains will not be playing this Saturday, but yeah. yeah. I just think, dude, NDSU doesn't have the horses to keep up with Eastern. Eastern's going to put the points. I have my brackets on FCS Fans Nation. Uh, I have scores for every single game in my bracket. I had this one. It's 34-20 eats. Let's get on to Weber State. I might be going down to this game if our friends at Weber State 
weekly can get me tickets. Uh, Dallas, who you got for the Wildcats versus the Salukis? Oh, they're not going to like this. I've got the Salukis. Brian? So I'm going to go Weber State, but really 10-second hot take. Weber State was not screwed in seeding. They had zero good wins on the season. They had one okay win against UC Davis, and they barely beat a ton of teams that finished under 500, including Hail Mary against NAU. That's not a profile of a team that should be like top four seeding wise. But I'm picking Weber to win. Ooh, but see, then you also got to go. If you compare them to JMU schedule, they had a tougher tougher schedule, and they actually won their conference. But Boatman, man, uh, I mean, I, I mean, it's it's Weber State, but it's gonna be close, close. Field goal, six points at most. Yeah, this one being close too. I literally said there's like two or three teams that Weber does not want to run into. Um, and one of those teams is the Slukies. Uh, they're running back. Number 15 is an absolute stud. Uh, the only issue is the Slukies should not be in the playoffs. They are hundred percent benefiting from beating North Dakota state. Uh, they had four losses, um, three losses. They should not be in the playoffs. We should have made it then. He's going to be Kennesaw. Cal Poly. Cal Poly. Uh, <laughs> Maybe some, uh, I don't know. Richmond. Richmond's a top 18 team, probably. I'm going them over five teams out of the Missouri Valley and a team, two, one team with three losses and one team with four in Missouri State. Um, but that's a whole different. Check out FCS Fans Nation. We ranted on that for quite a while the other day. Uh, I, yeah, so I'm taking Weber to win. That's it. That's the season. Please go shout out our sponsors. Our final, um, oh gosh, we got. Did I scroll down too far? I got basketball news and everything in here. No basketball news. Basketball Hammer down. News. Hammer down is a pride of it. Blah, blah, blah. Closing the bar. Whatever. We're closing the bar. Hopefully, we got K Coffee coming on soon. Hopefully, we got Jeremy Clevenger coming on soon for the soccer team. Um, and then let us know guests you guys want. We got one more spare one. But once again, thank you guys for everything. Just like last year, we'll be putting out a poll what we did good, what we could do better, what you guys want to see, what you enjoyed, because uh, we appreciate the fan feedback. It really helps us drive into what we're going to do over the summer because while we do take June off and part of July, most of it is business development and making this show as, as best as possible. So seriously, thank you to all your listeners. We've touched on it here a few couple times. Um, this was our most successful year yet by a milestone. I think last year when we started these live streams, we were averaging like maybe two people watching live. I think we peaked today at like 14 um, and we're averaging well over a hundred on every video where last year we get like 40. So I uh, just thank you guys for sharing it with people. Keep sharing it with people. We never really ask this stuff, but we will. If you're not subscribed, subscribe, hit the notification bell. If you're on YouTube, if you're listening in podcast form, rate us. Somebody still has a rating up from 2018 saying our audio sucks. We've gotten a lot better. I <laughs> challenge you to find that person and have them rewrite that review. Damn it. But um, seriously, thank you to everybody out there for our Patreons. Uh, thank you. We'll be in contact with you because when we owe you some swag, some shirts, and a happy hour. And for everyone that hasn't joined, it's patreon.com backslash tubs at the club. We have it down in the description. Lots of levels, like we just said. Some get you swag, some get you input. Um, but it's a good way to interact with us on a, on a more uh, you know interactive level. We also have our private Facebook page for those guys. But that's kind of the uh closing the bar for the season because the other ones are probably going to be interviews. But uh, 
Anybody else final thoughts on the season before we send it to Martin Heemstra's best band in all land? Um, Vandal football in a little over four months. I'll see you guys then. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say I got to tell uh, any all listeners, we get more interaction on the live shows now too while we're getting more people to view live. One of the fun things about doing the show actually is when we have listeners reach out to us. I've got a handful of people now who I pretty regularly message, sometimes talk to that I would not have talked to whatsoever if not for the show so uh, if any if listeners are out there thinking like hey i'm interested in vandal sports but like i don't always want to post on all vandals and i sometimes just wait in a while uh it's frustrating for the show our dms are open yeah yep we are 132 days from fcs week zero which means we will be back before you know it ladies and gentlemen we will see you guys next time go vandals go vandals go vandals go vandals boys